0: You're listening to the Sermon Podcast for The Gate Church in Lethbridge, Alberta. For more information, to contact us, or to support this ministry, please visit thegate.org. New life in Jesus is what Easter is all about, so I'm just thrilled that we could witness the waters of baptism, and as we move from baptism to the Word of God, I can't help but be amazed by... The beauty of what God has done for us. And so we continue to celebrate the resurrection by reading uh, Luke's gospel. Only seven days has passed since uh, Palm Sunday, if you were with us last week, and yet so many things have occurred. And you may be wondering, why aren't we covering them? Well, we actually did cover them. We had uh, daily readings between Palm Sunday and today in Luke chapter 20 to 23. So if you were uh, wondering what's going on, and you're missing out. You didn't do the readings. Please uh, go go find the stories from 20 to 23 because today uh, we are, as a, as we've said many times, uh, rejoicing in the resurrection in Luke 24. So, if you have a Bible, you can open it to Luke 24, 1 to 12 today, which says, "On the first day of the week, very early in the morning, they came to the tomb." bringing spices they had prepared. They found the stone rolled away from the tomb. They went in, but they did not find the body of Jesus. They were perplexed by this. And suddenly, two men stood by them in dazzling clothes, and the women were terrified and bowed down to the ground. Why are you looking for the living among the dead? asked the men. He's not here, but he's risen. Remember how he spoke to you when he was still in Galilee, saying, It is necessary that the Son of Man be betrayed into the hands of sinful men, be crucified, and rise on the third day? And they remembered his words. And returning from the tomb, they reported all these things to the eleven and to the rest. Mary Magdalene, Joanna, Mary the mother of James, and the other women were with them, telling the apostles these things. But these words seemed like nonsense to them, and they did not believe the women. Peter, however, got up, ran to the tomb. When he stooped to look in, he saw only the linen cloths. So he went away, amazed at what had happened. This is the word of the Lord for us this morning. One of the things that I love about this passage, there's many, but one of the things that I love is that as we read, it is the unfolding of the resurrection story. What I mean by this is that we do not yet have the complete picture of the resurrection that we as Christians understand in our minds. It's still happening. It's, it's taking shape and becoming clear to the women, to the apostles. It's still unfolding. So I want to look carefully at the reactions of, to the resurrection in today's passage of the different characters involved. And I'm thankful for them because I believe that as we look at them, we can identify and learn from the disciples and what they were experiencing this very first Easter morning. It's very interesting, so we're going to examine them and, and see what we can learn together. What did Mary and, and the other women expect when they went to the tomb? What were they expecting? It certainly wasn't the resurrection, was it? They were bringing spices to, to put on Jesus' dead body. Any hope that they had put in Jesus was eclipsed by his death and understandably so, right? They were no doubt broken to the core with loss of the one that they loved and followed and believed in. So honestly, that Sunday morning, as they went to the tomb, they were expecting a dead Jesus, not a resurrected Jesus. They wanted access to the tomb, and I actually have no idea how they planned to move the stone away. Maybe there was a lot of them, and so they could Get it away from the opening, I'm not sure, but in any case, God was one step ahead. He solved that problem for them, didn't He? It says in verse 2 that when they got there, the stone was rolled away. And already we're getting excited, aren't we? We're we're saying hallelujah, but they weren't, (laughs) not yet. The empty tomb was not an exciting thing, it was perplexing, it was confusing, and troubling for them. Where was the body of Jesus? He's dead after all. He was supposed to be in the grave, and so, that, so they were perplexed. This matters to us, to me, because if the disciples need convincing on Easter morning of Jesus' resurrection, I want to say that it is fine that we may also need convincing in our own ways as well from time to time. The disciples were confused and perplexed. They needed to be convinced. They needed explaining about what had happened to Jesus. At first... They were filled with doubt and wonder and fear because they expected Jesus to be in the tomb, but he wasn't there. I think we are similar to the women at the tomb in, in many ways. We seek for Jesus with our own expectations, right? We come to him with our spices, so to speak, with one thing in mind. We too often look for Jesus among the dead without even realizing that he is risen, talk more on that as we go. And then there's the apostles back at the house or wherever they were, and the women returned to them. They're not willing to believe the women's testimony of the empty grave. They shrugged it off. They say, this is this is fantasy or wishful thinking. It, there's no way this can be true. They had seen him crucified as well. The word in verse 11 for nonsense refers to the type of speech that a person would have if they were in shock. Right? When it says that they believed it was nonsense. Have you ever talked to someone who was in shock? It's, it's like they're talking, but it doesn't really make sense. They're, they're not in reality because of what they've gone through. So this is what the men are, are placing on the women. It's, it's, it's like they're in shock. It's wishful thinking. They want Jesus to be alive. Of course they do. But he's not. They don't believe. But then there's Peter Peter, who responds a little differently. Now, it doesn't say that he believes the women yet. It doesn't say that he knows that Jesus is raised, but rather that he has to go and see for himself. He has to go and see for himself. So the possibility of a living Savior was enough to get Peter out of his grief or doubt or whatever he was feeling at that time. The possibility caused him to stand up and run to the tomb to see if the women were telling the truth. Peter wanted to see for himself what was going on before dismissing the women and what they were saying as the other guys were doing. Could it be true? Could it be? Uh, Someone once compared the invitation to see the empty tomb like receiving a letter in the mail. Um, Imagine that you get a letter and it is addressed to your name, and it's from a lawyer's office. And so you open it up. Think This is strange. Am I in some kind of trouble or whatever? And so you open it, and sure enough, it's printed on letterhead, fancy legal paper. And um, in the description, it's as I said, it's named to you, and it says, Dear you, uh, this person, a long-lost relative of yours, has, has died, and um, they have left their estate to your name. Now, in today's age of scams, I don't know how you would respond, but that would be a little different than this text message I got this morning, literally, um, from a number 918194942074. It says, Dear you have been invited to the internal discussion group. The group will post daily how to earn 1,000 to 5,000 US dollars in the crypto market. So obviously I hit one, yes, please inform me more. No, I'm just kidding. That's a little different. But if you got an actual letter in the mail, the very least you would, I hope you would do is follow up just to find out if it was legit. Just to find out. It's probably not, don't give, don't give your credit card or SIN number away, Um, But maybe call the lawyer who's on the letter and just say, what's going on? Because the possibility of that could change everything for you, right? It could absolutely change everything. It would be worth checking into. So likewise, like Peter, it is good for us to look into the resurrection seriously. So don't take it for granted. And certainly don't dismiss it, like, like the men do, without a careful investigation. This is what Peter did on Easter morning. This is his response to the empty tomb. Was to take the news from the women. It's good news. He takes it seriously and he goes to see for himself in case it was true. The Apostle Paul is another uh, biblical writer who takes the resurrection very seriously. He understood Easter morning to be the one thing that either validates or destroys the whole concept of the gospel of Jesus, Right? not for Jesus raising from the dead, then everything Christians profess, Paul says, is essentially worthless, pointless. 1 Corinthians 15, he says, Now if Christ is proclaimed as raised from the dead, how can some of you say there is no resurrection from the dead? If there's no resurrection from the dead, not even Christ has been raised. And if Christ has not been raised, then our proclamation is in vain, and so is your faith. Moreover, We are found to be false witnesses about God because we have testified wrongly about God that he raised up Christ, whom he did not raise up, if in fact the dead are not raised. For if the dead are not raised, not even Christ has been raised. And if Christ has not been raised, your faith is worthless and you're still in your sins. Those then who have fallen asleep or died in Christ have also perished. If we've put our hope in Christ for this life only, we should be pitied more than anyone. Again, in other words, without the empty tomb on Easter morning, all of this is meaningless, and Christians are a sorry group of people. On the other hand, if Jesus was raised as we know him to be, it changes everything. We are gloriously saved We have that inheritance promised to us of eternal life, of a restored creation, of right relationship with the one true God, our Father. And so, of course, in the very same chapter of 1 Corinthians, Paul explains this. He begins the chapter by saying uh, that Jesus appeared to all these people, eyewitnesses after his death, one of whom was Paul, back when his name was Saul, and he had a full-time job of persecuting. Christians, Jesus appeared to him gloriously and called him to serve him. And then further down, in verses 20 to 22, Paul says, But as it is, Christ has been raised from the dead, the firstfruits of those who have fallen asleep. For since death came through one man, the resurrection of the dead also comes through a man. For just as in Adam all die, so in Christ all will be made alive. In Romans 14.9, Paul says that Christ died and returned to life for this, that he might be Lord over both the dead and the living. This is the truth of Easter, that Jesus is not dead, but he's alive. The grave is not where we'll find him because he's not there. And this does change everything. Because Jesus is alive, we can have hope. We have redemption and life to the full, both today and forever. And so the question remains, obviously what I've been getting at for this time, is how will we respond to the empty tomb this morning? How will you respond? Will you deny it like some of the apostles did? Will you wonder at it? Will you have hope in it or expectation for it? Only you can answer this, but I invite you to come and see for yourself if Jesus is in the tomb or if he is to life. Come and see. Take care. Take thought. Consider the meaning of what Jesus has done. Maybe you're perplexed. Well, bring that to God. Lay it before him. Don't let it go, but come and see. I invite you to see and see in the process if Jesus will change your life or if he will leave you empty I promise you that faith in Jesus will not disappoint. It will not leave you empty, but will transform your existence, both in this life and forever, because, praise God, Jesus is alive. To this point, I wanted to read what the Apostle Peter says in 1 Peter chapter 1, and agree with him. He says, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Because of his great mercy... He's given us new birth into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead and into an inheritance that is imperishable, undefiled, and unfading, kept in heaven for you. You're being guarded by God's power through faith for a salvation that is ready to be revealed in the last time. You rejoice in this, even though now for a short time, if necessary, you suffer grief and various trials so that the proving character of your faith, more valuable than gold, which, though perishable, is refined by fire, might result in praise, glory, and honor at the revelation of Jesus Christ. Though you have not seen him, you love him. Though not seeing him now, you believe in him, and you rejoice with an expressible and glorious joy, because you are receiving the goal of your faith, Salvation of your souls. So all of this, all of this is a result of Jesus being raised out of the grave. We rejoice though we have not seen him. We believe in him. We have glorious joy because of what we received. The salvation of our souls. All of this that Peter describes never would have happened if not for Jesus raising from the grave on Easter morning, this gift for all who will receive. So again, I say, come and see. Come and see. As we do this, as we seek Jesus like the women were, in whatever amount of faith you may or may not think you have, I want us to take two things with us, okay? Uh, It's actually the two things that the women uh, hear from the angels, two words that the angels have for them I want us to take with us as well in the days to come because they're very important things that we need to understand if we're going to follow after Jesus. If we don't understand them, we'll continue to be frustrated and have misplaced expectations and our, and our hope will not be founded in the right place. And we'll be, in the, 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 uh, we'll be leading sorry lives because of this rather than transformed lives, okay? It's very important. We're going to circle back to our main passage, Luke 24. In verse 5, it says the women are terrified, which, in case you didn't know, when you see an angel, that's what happens. (laughs) Uh, You'll you'll fall on your face. It's it's an angelic being and uh, terrifying, but they speak to them tenderly, I, I imagine, and they say, why are you looking for the living among the dead? Why are you looking for the living among the dead? This is to say, you probably think that your Savior is dead and gone, but we've got news for you. You're not going to find him here. He's not here anymore. He got up, and he's alive. He's out of the grave. So you see, Jesus is not just a man, or a teacher, or a prophet, or a miracle worker, or a historical figure. He is each of these, bar none, <laughs> But he's so much more than just the sum of these parts. In Romans 1, verse 4, Paul says that Jesus was appointed to be the powerful Son of God according to the Spirit of holiness by the resurrection of the dead. He's the Son of God. Jesus of Nazareth is the Son of God, and he's the risen King who won victory over death itself. The the final enemy has been beaten. Jesus. So let us not look for the living God in things that are dead. Jesus is present today by the power of his Holy Spirit. Jesus is alive, and those who follow him will also be spiritually alive. This means that we're not bound any longer to our earthly sins. Those are former things. Paul calls them the patterns of this world. But instead, Christians are renewed from within continuously because Jesus is raised up within us in his power as well. In Galatians 2.20, it says, I've been crucified with Christ. I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. The life I now live in the body, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. So you see, his resurrection is the event that makes Jesus our Savior not in the, in the past tense, but presently. An active presence of God that we can know and be known by. We talk a lot about our relationship with God. This is why and how it happened was through Jesus' resurrection. So again, let us trust in the power of Jesus as the living Savior today, as the angels tell the women at the tomb. As we praise Jesus today, we're not praising a dead man in the grave We're praising a mighty Savior who's alive and well and present in spirit as we praise. So again, let us not seek Jesus among the dead because he's alive. This is the first word that the angels give and I hope that we receive it. And secondly, let us hear the next thing that the angels offer to the women in verses uh, six to eight. They say, he's not here, but he's risen. Remember how he spoke to you While he was still in Galilee saying it's necessary that the Son of Man be betrayed into the hands of sinful men, to be crucified and rise on the third day. And they remembered his words. They remembered his words. Friends, as we live our lives after Jesus, if we want to follow Jesus, we need to remember his words. This sounds basic, but it is essential. It's absolutely necessary. It is the, it's, it's one thing to say, yes, you know, I love Jesus. I want to be like him, and et cetera, et cetera. But without knowing the truth of God's word, like actively, continuously, in our hearts, again, we're going to continue to be confused. We'll actually still be looking for, the, probably looking for the living among the dead, as the angels tell them not to do. We need his words. And obviously, the disciples of Jesus had forgot that Jesus had told them multiple times about what would happen. He said quite clearly that he would be handed over and crucified, put in the grave and raised, and they forgot. But we can't really blame them either for forgetting, can we? Like, honestly, we are so quick to forget. I am so quick to forget. How often do we sin or feel discouraged or afraid or lose sight of what matters because we have taken our eyes off of God's promises for us. We get off track. So while we follow Jesus, the living Savior, we need his truth to teach and guide us. We need to remember it. For every one of God's promises is yes in him, 2 Corinthians 1.20 says. Therefore, we also say amen to the glory of God. So let us be like the psalmist in 119 who says, I have not turned from your judgments, for you yourself has instructed me. How sweet your word is to my taste, sweeter than honey in my mouth. I gain understanding from your precepts, therefore I hate every false way. Your word is a lamp for my feet, a light on my path. We need to remember Jesus has taught us as we follow and seek him and obey him. So once again, today, you're invited to come and see, come and see the tomb with the stone rolled away to behold the victory that Jesus has won over the grave and to put our hope in it, in in the divine truth of a living Savior. May we be filled with the hope as we come to discover that Jesus is alive. Again, as we read in 1 Peter 1, because we have not seen him with our eyes, but we do love him. Though we don't see him now, we believe in Jesus. We rejoice with inexpressible and glorious joy even today because we have received the goal of our faith, the salvation of our souls because of the resurrection. Praise God. So as we prepare to receive communion on Easter morning, it's with a tone of a victory that we proclaim Jesus' death, is it not? Until he returns again. We take communion each week to proclaim his death until he returns, but on Easter morning, it's a little different. You see, Jesus' death on the cross was necessary. It was a step towards the miracle. It began the process of resurrection life. and So we believe that the result of his death is eternal life for all who trust in his name. So I invite us all today to put our hope in the name of Jesus. Each one of us is offered the free gift of salvation because of the grace with which our Father has loved us. You see, he forgave us while we were still sinning in order that we might be brought back back into his presence, adopted as his children, saved from death into life because of Jesus' death and resurrection. Acts 4.12 says, There is salvation in no one else, for there is no other name under heaven given to people by which we must be saved so this is why we come to the cross this morning, even as we understand and embrace and rejoice at the resurrection. You see, it doesn't matter if you have been running from God all your life, or maybe you already know and have loved Jesus with all your heart for a very long time. It doesn't matter. Today you are invited again to come to the cross, to come to the tomb, and to come to Jesus because he's alive risen Savior. And so with this in mind, I, I trust that you find your communion elements around you on the chairs. And in taking these two symbols, we are simply accepting his body broken on the cross, his blood shed on the cross, all for the salvation of our souls. So we'll take the bread. This is Jesus' body broken for you. We eat it in remembrance of him. cup. This is Jesus' blood shed for you. We drink it in remembrance of him. Let's pray. Oh, Heavenly Father, indeed we have so much to praise you for. God, you've blessed us with every spiritual blessing in heaven because of Jesus, your Son. God, I can't even imagine the depth of and power of your love that you would send Jesus not just to live with us but to die on the cross to give up his life to lay in the grave and then praise God that he would raise three days later father I ask that the truth of your resurrection would compel us that it would transform our hearts or let us trust in you even when we are perplexed with doubts and uncertainties Father, make us a church that is alive because Jesus is alive, Lord, uh, empowered by your Spirit. Let us surrender to the life of Jesus as we follow him, the living Savior, as we remember his promises, your word, God, as displayed in and through your Son perfectly. Thank you for the resurrection. Thank you for loving us in this way, for forgiving us, for showering us in your grace, wrapping us in your arms and bringing us home. We give Jesus all the glory today and forever. We celebrate everything that he's done and is doing in our midst now, Lord.